from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Get some good advice. I say knowledge is power. Today on episode six of Going Solo, I'm speaking with career and executive coach Tammy Guler loeb We discuss the trauma of job loss and how to reinvent yourself. Listen as Tammy explains what you need to do to recover from a job loss and launch your new game plan. You can find out more about Tammy and all of our episodes at goingsolo.smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your business after a job loss? Let's talk. Visit our site at smashingtheplateau.com. Click Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Tammy, I have to talk about our marketing team at CastSource. As you know, we want to improve the lives of as many people as possible that deal with a late career job loss. CastSource knows how to build connections with our audience through amazing content marketing. It's reassuring to work with a team that gets us. Everything the CastSource team produces is top-notch and does exactly what we need. We highly recommend the CastSource team and their content marketing services to you as you develop your marketing strategy. They'll help you with the creative and the execution of the creative. Learn more by visiting cascm.com. That's K-A-Z-C-M.com. Now let's welcome Tammy Guler-Loeb. In her 20 years as an executive career and executive coach, facilitator, and speaker, Tammy has inspired people to engage in work that is fulfilling, meaningful, and satisfying. She provides a variety of services to individual clients and businesses in a range of sectors and industries, including executive and career coaching, group facilitation, training, and speaking. This work focuses primarily on workplace communication, leadership strategies, and team development. Tammy also hosts a podcast, Work From the Inside Out, which showcases the inspiring stories and practical lessons of people who have transitioned to more satisfying and meaningful work. Her expertise has been showcased in many publications, such as Fast Company, The Boston Globe, Monster.com, TheLadders.com, and recently in the book, Stretched Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive by Jessica Turner. Tammy holds an MBA from Boston University and is a certified professional, professional co-active coach by the Coaches Training Institute. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Tammy, in the um, people that you work with, what are some of the common scenarios that prompt them to contact you? Commonly, people contact me when they're at a crossroads in their career. So they're either looking for a new position or they're thinking that they're ready to make a change. So they may be they may be employed, but they're thinking they want to do something different. In the context of what we're here to talk about today, I have had quite a few people who are either in the middle or in the later part of their careers who have been on the receiving end of being laid off, either because their company has been acquired and they have been told they are no longer needed or downsized and basically been told to pack up their things and leave. Some of these are people who have been working in the same company for 15 or 20 years or longer, 
or have been in you know the same profession, have established a solid reputation, and have really built an identity around the work they do. And in a, a fairly sudden uh, way, are all of a sudden not getting up in the morning and going to work and doing what they've been, how they, how they know who they are and what they're doing every day. So they come to me looking for both support and trying to figure out what's next. I think some people who come to me are thinking that, you know, all they need to do is rewrite their resume and get back in the saddle and go. And others use that kind of situation as a, as a time to kind of reevaluate and think about what they might want to do differently. Tammy, how much notice do they typically get before they have to walk out the door and not go back? Well, it varies dramatically depending, I think, depending on the industry. It can be literally hours the same day to uh, sometimes they are they are told months ahead of time. I think the distinction there is when they are given months, they're usually given a date, but then they are told, you don't really need to come into the office anymore, but we will still pay you. We may need you. We may need you to even train the person who is replacing you. That happens sometimes. But more often than not, I think it's a matter of a very, very short period of time where the life that they've known for a significant period of time changes very dramatically. And it, yeah, it's, it's a very shocking kind of experience. Uh, these are people who really have established you know, their identity and their reputation and, you know, have been very proud of the work that they've been doing and have not only that, but they have, many of them have a a deep sense of responsibility to the people who, who report to them. They've developed people. And so sometimes they've been in situations where they have to walk out without even saying goodbye to anybody. There are times where they end up, you know, in in situations where they have to consult with an attorney. They're being asked to sign non-disclosure agreements or separation letters. So it gets it gets very complicated very quickly and they're given fairly short deadlines by which they have to sign these separation letters in order to make some kind of financial agreements about what their severance packages might look like. I've also seen situations where people were let go or laid off with no severance package after 15 to 20 years of service to a company. You know, there's no, at least here in Massachusetts, there's no law that says a company has to give you a severance package. So I, I saw that happen recently. And it's, you know, there's, there are obviously there are, there are ethical issues there, but in terms of a legal issue, there's no obligation. So I think that 
you know, it, it's a stark wake-up call for people who have been, you know, going along for years in a profession thinking that all is well. And that, um, you know, even if something did happen, because I think people do realize that the world of work has changed dramatically in the last, you know, five to 10 years, especially, that something could happen. But I think, I'm not sure people realize it can happen to them. And even though they realize it might happen to them, I think people make certain assumptions about what the, what kind of cushion they might have. And I've seen situations where that's not the case. So there's there's just lots of twists and turns and, and room for all kinds of experiences that nobody is prepared for. Right. So this can certainly be very abrupt. And let's say this happens to happens to you on a Tuesday. You're given the news that you are no longer welcome at your the place where you've been working for a number of years. What happens Wednesday morning? What do you feel like? I would say you're probably you're probably numb. It's probably surreal, probably very angry. Maybe for a handful of people there's a sense of relief that there's been a period of time where you kind of wondered when the other shoe was going to drop and it's just over now. But I think once you get through that sort of sense of relief that you now know what's what, there's anger. I think there's anger, there's sadness, and then I think there's, there's a blend of, of sort of those harsh feelings, but then a kind of a, a numbness and a surrealness and, oh my God, what am I going to do? And, and this is coming from from a person, and we're talking generically here, of course, but this is coming from a person who's been in a role where, for the most part, they've usually known what to do. They've been able to guide others in what to do. They've been in a role of leadership and of knowledge. So this, this is like, this is unlike anything they've probably ever ever experienced. It's very traumatic. So given, given the traumatic nature of the situation, what should somebody going through this not do? Well, I think the first thing they should not do is make any solid or firm decisions immediately. It kind of reminds me of what they tell you when you leave the hospital or you've come out of surgery and you're still under some kind of medication, and they say, don't make any major decisions today. I would say, don't make any solid or major decisions. Do not sign any letters or any legal, legally binding documents, and take a moment to take a deep breath before you do anything. So, you know, that, that would be the first thing is don't, really don't do anything. Do you have any advice about how to address some of these traumatic emotions? Oh, yeah. I think first and foremost, make sure that whoever your closest allies are, your, your family, your friends, whoever, whoever is in your inner circle of trust, your people in your life who who you would consider to be those people you love unconditionally or who love you unconditionally, 
Make sure they're nearby. Let them know what's going on if they don't already. And keep them close. Let them know what you think you need. And let them know that even if you tell them you don't need something, that they should be checking in with you. So I think that's first and foremost very important. But really, those first couple of days, there's an, you know, there's a impulse for a lot of people either to stay in bed with the covers over their head, which I wouldn't blame someone for wanting to do that. But I think the other, the other instinct might be to just get into action. And I would say to, you know, by all means, feel free to get into some kind of action, but I would be very careful about what I say and who I say it to in those first few days, especially if there's anything having to do with anything proprietary or anything that's going to, you know, may turn into any kind of legal situation. I would also say in those first few days, if you feel like, you know, if there's a document that you're supposed to be signing off on and that there's any money involved, you know, definitely get, get the name of a good employment attorney and make sure you talk to somebody pretty quickly. You know, get get some good advice. I say knowledge is power and get the advice. Understand what your options are and what your choices are. When you've been in a situation where you feel like your options are limited, the most important thing you can do is figure out what you do have control over because so many things that you had control over have been taken away. Do you have any advice on how to find a good employment lawyer? Particularly, you know, many people, as you said, have never been in this situation before. Right. So they have probably never even thought about needing to speak with an employment lawyer. Right. I don't have any specific Uh, advice, like in terms of what you would do if you were in any generic city in the country. I know if somebody's in the Boston area, I have names of attorneys that I send people to. I would also say that if you have a personal attorney who you respect, that I would ask them if they know of colleagues who specialize in employment law who they respect. I also, unfortunately, there's a lot more people out there these days who have been through this lately with being laid off or being in the midst of you know an, an employment or separation type of situation. So if there's somebody else you know who has been through something who you believe, you know, that you you trust and respect, you may ask them if they worked with somebody who they had a good experience with. I think the other route I might go is if you knew somebody who is in the human resources profession, you know, if you had a personal relationship with somebody in that profession, they may know some names of good employment attorneys. And then, so I'm always, I'm always of the belief that you go through your warm networks to get some names. And then if all else fails, I might, I might turn to the bar association. All the bar associations have, you know, have specialty groups. So there may be, I assume there's a specialty group in, in that type of law where you could maybe get some names that way. But I would imagine that somebody who's 
who's been around the block a few times and is somewhat established in a particular community or city, I would like to think that they have enough contacts and connections that they can maybe think a little creatively about who they know, who may know someone. And again, you know, I know that some people might want to deal with this fairly discreetly. So, you know, it's not something that you want to just jump at overnight if you, unless you feel ready to, but it, it's something that I'd say within, within the first week of the separation, you want to, you want to start to get some names and, and talk to somebody if there's anything to be talked about. Right, right. Now, along the lines, Tammy, of getting good advice, in most cases, getting good advice has a price tag associated with it, whether it's for an employment attorney or a career counselor or other kinds of professional advice. For somebody who has just been terminated, there's a lot of fear about financial future. Yeah. How do you, how do you weigh that fear? And there's probably some reality to it that you've got to also be careful with your finance. How do you weigh that against all suddenly needing to invest money in new kinds of advice that you've never had to invest in before? Well, first of all, I think there that that's a very individual kind of circumstance in terms of what somebody's individual finances are. And it may or may not be that this is their first time having gone through this, depending on what industry they're in. It could be that they've been through this before. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that it may be that they are the kind of person who has invested in the past in their professional well-being, and they've worked with a coach before, for example. I've found that people have, you know, have their own relationship with money and resources that has very little to do with what they actually have in the bank. So I think it's a, a conversation that is something that someone has to have with themselves in terms of what their own beliefs are about how they want to use the resources they have to help themselves. And there are people who will say to themselves, look, I need some help and I'm willing to, you know, uh, you know, the, the adage, you know, it takes money to make money. It, it definitely takes resources to try to, you know, get yourself to the next step. And so it makes sense to allocate a certain amount of resources to try to deal with the situation. If you're counting every penny along the way and you're going to be anxious about that, you might want to look into low cost or even free resources. There are some out there for people. Uh, if you're collecting unemployment, there's some resources through various unemployment offices. I think if you've reached a certain level in your career, those resources may not be all that helpful to you, but they are there. And then there are, and I know I'm mostly familiar with what's in Massachusetts, but I, I am sure that there are comparable services and groups in other states. A lot, there's a lot out there now these days for people in the sort of 45, 50 plus age group. 
for people who are out of work and are looking to network and figure out what's next. So there's a lot of networking and job seeker groups out there. And those are free. And there's a lot of people out there who are really trying to build a network and build some capacity for that. But with regard to the money, again, I think it's a very individual decision in terms of how, what somebody's relationship is with their resources and their money. And I think it often has far less to do with what they have in the bank and more to do with, the, with how they feel about spending money. Because I've seen it. I've seen people who will come to me and have no qualms about signing on to work with me, you know, when they may be dipping into savings or whatever they're dipping into to work with me. And other people who I know have far more resources and are asking me for discounts. So it really, it really is an individual situation. And, um, and I think that the people who, who are trying to, who are more reluctant to put some resources into this process more often than not are probably going to have a harder time finding their way through the process if they're trying to go at it completely alone. And I'm not saying that to, you know, as a, as a walking, you know, advertisement for being and working with a coach or anything. But I do think that when you're going through something like this, that trying to go at it alone is just, you know, very, very difficult. There's a lot of parts of the process that are areas that people don't have experience with. They don't know how to go through it and how to work work their way through it. And there's a lot of blind spots. There's a lot of areas where when you're trying to do something alone, you're going to miss a lot of things that if somebody else is looking with you, they're going to see things you don't see. And they're going to be able to help you see things that are going to save you a lot of time and give you insights that you can act on that are going to, you know, help you get to a far better place. So Tammy, you know, speaking of situations where you may not have the experience going through it before, or you may not know all of what you should be looking for. If someone, um, and let's take somebody who's in that 45 to 50 plus age category, who finds herself or himself suddenly terminated from a position where they were highly functioning and they realize either because of the circumstance or by design that their next role is going to be as an entrepreneur. Mm. What kinds of advice do you have about how to deal both with some of the emotional aspects of what we just spent some time talking about and then some of the more practical issues to actually get something new launched off the ground that is going to replace your income? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, there's a lot to unpack in there. Um, I think the, you know, it's important to stay on top of the, all the emotions that might crop up when you've lost your job. It's like, it really is like a death. And I think it, it, it's like grief. 
and the way I look at grief is that it's it's kind of a it's kind of a roller coaster. There are ups and downs. There are days where you feel like you're going along and you're like, hey, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And then other days where all of a sudden you think you're doing fine and all of a sudden you find yourself in a puddle of tears or you just feel like you just can hardly pick up your head. And I think that you, you kind of have to let yourself feel whatever you're feeling and understand that that's just part of the process and it's normal. If you find that you're having more days than not where you're having trouble getting out of bed or picking up your head, then it's time to get some some help, some mental health services, whether that's going to your doctor and asking for some referrals or um, if you already have a therapist or have a way of, of seeking out some kind of counseling that may be helpful. You know, hopefully you know yourself well enough to know what your sort of baseline emotional state is. And if you're feeling like you are not yourself and that you're not yourself most days, that's a sign. If you feel like you're fluctuating back and forth, maybe you're going to work your way out of that. If you're in the process of starting your own business at the same time, there's a lot of stressors involved with that. So you want to kind of keep an eye on how you're doing emotionally because the added stress of starting a business can also take a toll on you if you are in some way, shape, or form maybe trying to overstep or, or bury those, you know, the the trauma or the the grief that you're going through over the lost job. And it's not just the lost job, it's it's a lost identity because you really are changing your identity. Even if you are hanging up a shingle in the same industry and field that you've been in, you're still somewhat changing your identity. You're no longer part of a bigger whole of that company that you were with or that organization. And so you are having to do some reinvention. And, you know, I think there's a tremendous amount of great support and resources out there for people who are starting a business and probably even more resources out there than for people who've lost their jobs. So, you know, I think you've got to just kind of keep an eye on yourself as you're moving through this and to realize that and to keep checking in with yourself. You know, it's funny when I think about the people that that I've talked to both in my coaching practice and on my podcast about different transitions that they've made, the thing that that comes up quite often that seems to be helpful to them as they've moved through a process of transition or change is they'll share with me these conversations that they've had with themselves where they've kind of literally like stopped and said to themselves, you know, John, you really are having a hard time today. Let's just stop and take a breath and really look at what is right now, right here and now. I think it's it's easy to kind of keep looking forward and almost skipping over what is in the moment. So I think there is something very important about paying attention to to what's present in the moment, not to necessarily wallow in in the depths of despair, I'm not suggesting that, but to just be present to what is 
and to give, you know, which will help fuel you to look forward to. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, it, it does. So Tammy, if um, someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've talked about today or get in touch with you, where would they go? Well, they can, they can get in touch with me through my website, TammyGoolerLobe.com, or they can take a listen to my podcast, WorkFromTheInsideOut.com, and there's ways to find me through that. Uh, I'm happy to offer anyone who listens to this podcast a complimentary consultation and happy to chat with them about whatever's going on and see if I can be helpful. Sounds good. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and discuss what is uh, a very complicated and as, as we discussed, often very traumatic situation of getting terminated, especially when it's unexpected and you've been in a place for a long time. And then what to do next as you're pursuing your next options, whether they be entrepreneurial or otherwise. My guest today has been career and executive coach, Tammy Guler-Loeb. Thank you again, Tammy, for joining us. My pleasure. When you visit the Going Solo website at goingsolo.smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned what you need to do to recover from a job loss and launch your new game plan. Are you building your business after a job loss? Let's talk. Visit our site at smashingtheplateau.com. Click Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Going Solo to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.